Hi, Mike. Hello. What's wrong with you today? I'm just kind of broken. I don't know what's wrong. Like, I'm, I'm just totally on autopilot. When I try and think about anything, my brain just kind of is not quite there. It's like my thoughts are just kind of like burbling along and then they just like hit a wall and I just can't quite push through it. There's like some weird metaphor. I'm trying to like explain how it feels to think. I don't know. It just feels wrong. My brain is not working the way it normally works. And sometimes my thought process, you know, navigates its way to a solution and it's like it just gets to an empty parking lot or something. It's like, oh, yes, you used to know something here, but it's gone now. <laughs> it's like you can't find your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's the mental equivalent of that. It's like, yes, you used to know the fact that was here, but that fact has now gone. Sorry. And I'm then, pretty sure it was here. <laughs> well, no, well, it definitely was. That's the thing. Like, It's like, I'm sure I parked that thought here. It's like, well, it's not there now. And so what do you do afterwards? I just feel vaguely disquieted. And I don't know. Yeah. So like my thoughts have been a mess this week. More so than normal. Yeah. Because, you know, usually I don't get enough sleep and I feel kind of tired. But I just feel kind of physically tired. Whereas like now I feel like mentally tired. Like my, my brain is just not working. I am like much less smart than I would normally be kind of thing you know like it's just something's not there and you're also physically tired and i'm also physically tired too yes basically i'm just a train wreck i need a holiday or something and we're not blaming the fasting i actually thought it was the fasting so i actually did blame the fasting and i just have been eating loads of crap again (laughs) i was just like maybe Maybe I've been doing too much fasting and I'm deficient in some kind of nutrient that my brain actually needs to function properly. I'm just going to eat whatever I feel like because my body probably knows best. And then I went out and ate a custard donut and drank a very large coffee and then ate a load of ramen. And I didn't really feel any better. In fact, it felt like really disgusting because I just consumed loads of carbs and caffeine. And then in the following few days i have tried eating loads of greens it hasn't helped oh it hasn't helped it has not helped at all in fact i actually did say to you should we postpone this recording because i'm not really sure my brain is working properly but then in the end i thought i'm probably not going to be any better tomorrow either so we may as well just go with it and now we've got something to talk about and uh where are you going to go on holiday then Oh, I don't know. I need to book something. I was thinking about trying to go to the US. I've never been to the West Coast. Oh, really? And the West Coast is the coast you can actually reach from Asia. So I was thinking I might go to the West Coast of the US. I think that'd be cool. Do you think it will fix you? That's more important. Well, even if it will, it's not going to be much help because I wouldn't be going for like over a month. So if my brain continues to deteriorate at the current rate, then by the time I'm actually trying to What will happen to Mike? What will happen to Mike? I'm going to be some kind of jelly. I'm going to be like... I was already kind of like a slug on the weekend. I mostly just lay on the sofa and watch Stranger Things. I actually... I did play Apex Legends Season 2. How were you at Apex Legends? 
I was kind of a slug at that too. I, I was being given a lot of stick by my teammates for just like dying a lot as usual. Actually, we did really well. We won, I think we won like three games on Saturday and we won three games on Sunday. Like we just, we won quite a lot. It was almost entirely due to one of the guys we were playing with. Like, I think my KDA is something like 0.5 and the other guy we're playing with is 0.5. And then the third guy we're playing with, his KD is something like three or something. (laughs) So he was just like single-handedly annihilating everyone and we were just kind of like traipsing along behind la 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 let's loot all the boxes i I think the most extreme example of this was when me and the other guy who was kind of lame both died really early on and our teammate just proceeded to go on and just win the game on his own (laughs) so that was nice you get the win anyway. It's all, you know, it appears it's, on your it's, stats. it's a team game. There's it's no team. I in team, you know. We all contributed. If me and the other guy hadn't been there to distract them and, you know, be easy targets to soak up all the bullets, our actual competent teammate would not have been able to go out and get that win. Well framed. Well framed. Can we move on? We can move on. You are a, a pro Redditor. Not pro because you're not paid to do it, but yeah. How dare you? How dare you claim I'm a pro redditor? How do you consume Reddit? What do you mean? Like, okay, you find a post that you're interested in. Do you go through each comment? Do you go through the latest comment? Do you go through the best comment? Do you go through the the oldest comments? Oh, this is interesting, because this is completely not the question I thought you were asking. I thought you were asking, like, mechanically, how do I consume Reddit? Like, what device do I use? I don't care. Or do I use an app, or do I use the website? I want to know how people consume a post, because a post can have 789 comments. Do you read each one? Uh, I think Reddit has changed from when i first started using reddit and reddit is like not good for the way i want to consume reddit at least it's not good now how do you want to consume reddit so to be honest i really just look at the front page of reddit so i have my subreddits that i'm subscribed to and i see those like first 25 posts on the front page because i use the website i don't use an app and even on my phone i use the desktop version of the website because i really hate their mobile view and i really hate their app and i see those 25 posts and then when i've looked over those 25 posts and decided i'm not interested in them i'll click the next button and i'll look at the next 25 posts and i consume reddit one page at a time and i know which post i have got up to And then I'll click the next button when I have consumed all of those posts. And Reddit have changed their algorithm to really strongly discourage people from doing this. They want you to use their best sorting, which is more like dynamic as they see it. And they want you just to use infinite scrolling. So you just don't know how much Reddit you've taken in. And I just like really don't want that because i want to know when i've like looked at 600 posts and i'm like whoa that's enough reddit you need to stop 
600 is a is a real number. Uh, I have gone to well, actually, I used to go to like 600 posts and be like, this is terrible. I need to stop. But the other thing about Reddit and their algorithm changes is that now if you're using hot sorting, which is basically the closest thing to what they used to do. After about 150, the posts just start to repeat because they're just clearly putting no effort into hot sorting. They're just like, screw those guys. Just give them the same posts again. We don't need them. We don't need them. They can go and look at Dig or something. That's a lot of posts. But the question was, when you click into a post, how do you consume the comments? I just scroll through the comments and if I see anything interesting, I read it. So you scroll, you, you scroll to the bottom? Well, no, I scroll until I get bored which is sometimes not very long. Well, sometimes <laughs> I don't read the comments at all. Actually, to be honest, it depends a lot on the post. Because like, if it's just like cute animal pictures, who cares about the comments? And if it's a really insightful article, often it'll be, I can't be bothered to read this article. <laughs> Let's read the comments <laughs> and see if I can guess what the article's about. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's a paper on the psychology of this thingy. Let's read the comments because I can't be asked to read that paper. <laughs> and then the comments are full of other people who are doing the same thing. And thus, nobody's read the article and everyone's talking about it as if they read it. And then there's like the one person who's actually read the article going, uh, guys, the article doesn't say that at all. And everyone's downvoting them hard. <laughs> Downvote that guy. Death to the truth seeker. <laughs> I, I would... Oh, so you're one of those. I thought I thought they were the minority. It seems like they're the majority. <laughs> I think they're the majority. Reddit has ruined me. Reddit has actually ruined me. I think I'm you know you know, maybe my brain brokenness is actually just related to like Reddit. Like Reddit has actually ruined my mind. I used to like read a lot. I used to read novels. I used to read like science books or you know things like thinking fast and slow like you know books about how to think and how does your mind work and stuff now i just read reddit now i just read reddit and the comments of reddit i look at cute animal pictures and i look at people commenting on articles about things that i should find interesting but i no longer have you know the patience to actually read i fear i'm going down that you know i'm falling down that hole as well maybe i should take a holiday from reddit maybe that will fix me but what will you do with all that all that time you've saved? Yeah, I don't know, watch YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me today Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book club for games. And today we are Hurrah! 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 What are we going to cover today? Today, we are going to talk about Thimbleweed Park. Will there be spoilers? There will be spoilers for Thimbleweed Park. Thimbleweed Park will be thoroughly spoiled from beginning to end. So if you haven't played Thimbleweed Park, you should probably play it before you listen to this podcast. Unless you don't care about Thimbleweed Park. In which case, you should definitely listen to us shit all over Thimbleweed Park. <laughs> oh, no, we're not going to shit. It's not just... <laughs> we're not that kind of podcast. Give, give a... <laughs> give a... <laughs> a fair... <laughs> give, give a fair and balanced opinion on Thimbleweed Park. If my brain can 
handle it. So, Thimbleweed Park. A point-and-click adventure game developed by Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick. It was revealed in November 2014 with a Kickstarter campaign that had a goal of $375,000. And the campaign closed on December 18th, 2014, having raised a grand total of $626,250 from... 15,623 people. It was released in March 2017. Any Anything else you want to throw in there? Ron Gilbert and Gary Winnick, obviously extremely famous for Maniac Mansion, which is one of the, is it original or like foundational games of the point and click genre? And we both got this game free from the Epic Store. Thanks, Epic. So we played the Epic Store version. So, your initial thoughts? This is pure nostalgia. Do, 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 I mean, is, is this what you thought? Is this how you felt? I mean, it's very much channeling those early games. So... They've clearly tried to get the feel of, say, Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island. The graphics are pixelated, although they're not really low resolution. Like even in you know one of the early areas, the graphics will have big pixels, but you can see some of those big pixels are turning diagonally and they have very smooth edges so it's really running at like ultra hd resolution with just big squares is this something you spotted or you read this i I spotted this attention to detail man can you not just enjoy something (laughs) no we've been through this (laughs) i can't enjoy anything anymore yeah maybe i need more therapy sorry (laughs) (laughs) it's okay So you start off as the victim, which I thought was quite cool. Unexpected, I thought. Maybe you had high expectations. Well, I really, as usual, knew nothing about this game going into it. Like, I I literally knew nothing about it. So I didn't realise this guy was the victim. I just thought this was who I was playing as. And I was like, ugh, good German accent, bro. I know. I I mean, I'd be quite disappointed if I was playing this guy throughout. (laughs) No, so... I I did make a note immediately faux German accent and I was thinking I'm going to have great fun complaining about this German accent on the <laughs> podcast and then you die quite quickly which actually really surprised me I was like wait what 
and then the game starts properly. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else are we what else are we trying to capture in here. Uh, some highlights, I guess, from from a high level. I mean, I, I want to call out one of the characters' introduction at least. I thought it was clever when you first introduce a ransom the clown in a flashback. Yeah, I you know. I thought, you know, that set my expectation for the rest of the game. Yeah, because I, as I said, did not know anything about this game. So after the murder victim dies, and then you're controlling the two agents, and then I remembered, you know, the title screen or the screenshots or whatever, the promotional art where you see the two agents standing there, I was like... Oh yeah, I play as these two like FBI agents. And then when the Ransom the Clown like flashback scene happened, I was like, "Oh, do these little vignette characters get introduced and then I just stop playing them again or do I get to keep them? Am I going to effectively have a bigger party?" And then when Dolores gets introduced, I was like, "Oh, I see. Okay, this is the way this game's going to work." And that opens up a whole heap of opportunity that's how i saw it well i mean yes and no we can talk about that later yeah we can talk about that later i mean other things that i particularly liked each of your characters actually every character in the game even the murder victim at the start has a notebook so every character in their inventory will have I mean, it's not necessarily a notebook, but it's effectively a notebook. And it basically lists that character's personal objectives. I And I thought that was really, really, really practical. Because when you come back to the game after having not played it for a little bit, you can just look at the notebook and it's enough to jog your memory and make you remember, oh yeah, that's what I was doing and that's what's going on in the story. I mean, stuff like this, I think, is showing, you know, this is a 21st century take on the genre. This is like a very nice quality of life improvement. You're required as the victim to consult the notebook. So that's how they introduce the the notebook to you, right? Yeah, I guess it's effectively a tutorial because unless you looked in the notebook you wouldn't know how you're meant to signal the person you're meant to meet by turning off slash breaking the light on the sign. And given that you must know that, then when you take control of the other characters, you know to look at their notebooks and flip back to the earlier pages and effectively get some backstory or motivation for them. And then... On the opposite end of the scale to the notebook, effectively a negative quality of life thing, what the hell's going on with these specks of dust? You, t- you tell me. Did you collect them all? I did collect them all. And it was entirely pointless. So, I think it's kind of funny, but because we played on the Epic Store version, there are no achievements. And I think I actually missed out quite a lot of stuff because I didn't know what the achievements were. 
which is actually really interesting. It just goes to show that even if you, like air quotes, don't care about achievements, the impact achievements actually have on the way you play a game. Because, because I literally knew nothing about the achievements. I didn't know about the specs of dust. I didn't know there were achievements for collecting certain numbers of specs of dust. And I think there are other achievements for things too that because I didn't know they existed, I just completely missed stuff in the game. Like for Easter eggs? Yes. Okay. So the specs of dust are literally just for achievements and they are just colored pixels that you can pick up on the screen. And they serve actually zero purpose I thought that it was going to be some like crazy end game thing. Like I thought it was going to be something really funny, like, you know, the fingerprint kit and you know that there's only enough dust in there for like one application. Yes. And then later on you need another fingerprint. And I thought it was going to be something really clever. Like once you have all the specs of dust, well, that's the fingerprint dust, but it's not. You're not alone in thinking that. Yeah, so the completionist in me really wanted to get all the specs of dust. And once I'd done it, I was like, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> One more thing you wanted to call out. Can you die in this game? So a conversation you have early on with, I think it's the Pigeon Brothers. There's some NPCs. And you can say to them, should I save my game? And then they respond to you, I wouldn't worry about it. This game was expertly designed to have no deaths or dead ends. Though that's technically not true. But yeah, on the whole, you don't have to worry about it. And you can get out of every situation you get yourself into. There is one game over death situation, but it does warn you, I should save my game before I do this. And also at the very end of the game as well. Yeah, it warns you when you're about to cross a point of no return. Yeah. And I would say that's another quality of life, 21st century game design kind of thing. Though Monkey Island, you know, the LucasArts games, I think already had that philosophy. But other games from the early adventure game era definitely did not. So all of Sierra's games were basically just like a hellscape of, you know, you have to pick up this sandwich at the beginning of the game and if you didn't, 15 hours later, oh, too bad, start again. Well, that's quite severe. Yeah, it is quite severe, but like literally all of the King's Quest, Space Quest, Police Quest, Leisure Suit Larry... Like, they all had horrendous dead ends like that. I'm, I'm, glad we're, we're, I'm glad we're not playing one of those then. So the next book... Puzzles, the puzzles. So, the puzzles.
Did you luck into any puzzles? I think the only one where I did something just to see what would happen, even though I thought it was stupid, and then it turned out to actually be the solution, was when I picked up the out-of-order sign on the stairs, and then Dolores was like, oh, great, they're fixed now, and then I could just walk up the stairs. I mean, what? I thought exactly the same thing. It just... I don't know. I thought it was clever, actually. I guess it's kind of clever, but it's also stupid adventure game logic. I think, I mean, if this had been a Sierra game, I think what would have been funny is if you then climbed the stairs and then fell to your death because the stairs were actually broken. (laughs) But because this is not a Sierra game, I guess they can't do that. I think, you know, my, my stamina was quite high at that point. It was still early early in the game so i had a lot of <laughs> my threshold for this was quite high so so no other examples like for instance i accidentally created ink without really knowing what you're doing yeah i did that puzzle very deliberately okay i started a fire because there was a fireplace kind of thing and then i picked up the result uh, you know <sighs> and then there were two examples of potentially puzzles without solutions or where you were meant to, you know, for instance, there was a quiz and you you knew the answers because you're from the 80s. I'm trying to remember what... The, I remember that there was a quiz and I remember that the answers were all like 80s references and I actually got them all right first try, which I, I don't know how I feel about that, but I did. <laughs> but I, I actually don't remember why there was the quiz like I played this game like a month ago because I actually played it like right after we announced it. It's to win the tickets for ThimbleCon. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember what the questions were, but I did get them right first time. Okay. I needed, and I think I needed two goes, but it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it's funny that one because I guess for people who are nostalgically playing this game they probably are of an age where they have a very high chance of just getting the questions because they were alive when the questions were contemporary and thus would know the answers and for people who are not playing this game nostalgically and for whom this is a fresh and new experience i guess they will just think oh, i'm gonna google this so it's fine that's yeah that's true because I think it is funny, if you had a question like this, like, if you were playing a point-and-click adventure game in the late 80s, early 90s, and they asked you trivia questions from, like, I don't know, like, the 50s or 60s, that would be, you know, that would be cruel and offensive. Because, like, how are you going to find out the answer? Like, find an old person and ask them? Your mum, yeah, just ask your parents. <laughs> Because, you know, there was no Google back then. But well, you'd I, call I, the hotline. <laughs> you call line. the hint hotline. That's right. That's true. Although I guess actually there is a hint hotline in-game. So I suppose, I suppose actually it is acceptable anyway. You know, they even thought of that. I want to ask, was that something that was added? Or was that there from the start, from day one? I think it was there day one. Okay. But then I don't know because I didn't play this game day one. Okay. There there are signs for it around town, right? Yeah, there's signs everywhere. Yeah, because I 
I saw those signs and I, I was actually thinking, oh, did they actually put a hint line in the game? So I actually think that's a really nice touch. And do you recall the trendy kid at all? Yeah, I do. Do you have to string together a a statement or phrase with a bunch of buzzwords, trendy buzzwords, to convince the kid that you're worthy of his get-up? Yes. Did you brute force this? I think I got it right first time. But what was the... How? Um, you know, like they say, the problem with neural nets... Sorry, I'm going somewhere with this. Right? <laughs> you know, they say the problem with neural nets is that they can solve a problem, but they can't. you can't like look at a neural net and understand why it works, just that you know that it does. And I can't explain why, but I kind of knew what an appropriate phrase would be and i guess it was right but i couldn't tell you why but the funny thing is because i got it right straight away at least that's my recollection i don't remember having to like brute force it i actually wondered is it possible to get it wrong or just is whatever you say considered trendy (laughs) nope you just you were just that trendy I'm just that actually, cool. I'm just I'm just an 80s kid only 80s maybe uh, either I'm an 80s kid or I've read so many like cracked articles that I've just internalized it because the funny thing is like when you're born in the 80s that doesn't necessarily mean you like know anything about the 80s because you were really young in the 80s I don't know anything about the 80s well I think my my brain has actually like jettisoned all that information now it turns out because like I can't remember anything like this week but Yeah, whenever I played this game, it was totally fine. I think I just, like, rocked straight through it. Actually, the other thing of note about that bit is that you are trapped in the hotel. I think that might be even a couple of times when you're literally just trapped in the hotel. And I actually think it's really good game design. Like, I think this first part of the game is actually really well thought out and well made. Because... One of the problems with these early adventure games is that the problem space is just so huge. You know, you're like, oh, I have this like soup ladle and I'm sure I have to use it for something. But there's this entire island and all these different like screens and shops and like NPCs to interact with. Like, I have no idea what to do. Whereas by going and making it so that you're in the hotel and you can't get out of the hotel, then you know that... So long as you make the assumption that it's not a crazy Sierra game and you're now in a death situation, you don't know it yet. Everything you need to advance the game is in that hotel and they've cut down the problem space and thus you don't have to stress about all the things in the rest of the town. You just know that I only have to worry about things and items that are in this hotel. Let's come back to this point later. Okay. Because it does actually happen a few more times later too. Yes. So having just praised the hotel and the game design of like trapping you in the hotel, I think there was quite a lot of brute forcing in that section of the game. Because like, although I didn't have to brute force the trendy kid statement, I think I did have to literally just go to every single floor of the hotel one by one until I found a floor that was like 
different and had interesting stuff on it, which I thought was pretty ridiculous. Like from memory, the 10th floor is under construction or something and has some, it's a bit different to the other floors, but there was no way to know that. At least if there was, I didn't encounter it. So like I just, I discovered it by being stuck in the hotel and then just taking the lift to every single floor to see what I would see. I didn't I didn't do that. I didn't go to every floor. So maybe there was a hint. But you just went to every floor. You didn't go to every room. Well, you can't get into every room because they're locked. Yeah. So you didn't try. To... Okay, good. I'm not crazy. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Did you call the hint line? Just to see it rather than for help. I actually did call the hint line because I did get stuck at one point. And then I got really annoyed because I thought the puzzle was bullshit. Because <laughs> I I I want to talk about that puzzle later. So yes, I did call the hint line once and the hint line doles out hints to you it doesn't tell you the solution right yes so it's piecemeal so i called the hint line and i got a hint and i was like well duh i knew that and then i got another hint it's like well duh i knew that and i got another hint i was like well duh i knew that and then it just gave me a solution i was like the fuck <laughs> but We'll okay, so are we gonna talk about that later? So did you call the hint line? No, oh, I called the hint line a few times. I called it three times. But I got three hints. So you got three hints and a solution. It's not a competition. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Don't know why I said that. You know exactly why you said that. <laughs> I hope you feel smug. I also got I also got help from you though, if I'm honest, so so I got the hint line and Mike. Yeah, I mean, on the whole, I found this game surprisingly straightforward, which is which is actually totally not my experience for puzzle games prior to this. Like, I don't think I have ever managed to finish like a puzzle game without just looking up a guide at some point. Like, I definitely did not finish Monkey Island Two without help. I definitely did not. I think I don't think I've ever finished Maniac Mansion to this day, to be honest. But then I think I played all these games when I was much, much younger. So maybe I was just really dumb back then and maybe I'm smarter now. Or maybe it's just that I have in the intervening years absorbed the solutions to a lot of these puzzles because I think a lot of them are retreading ground and nostalgia and their throwbacks. So Well you, you you have an appreciation for the problem space. So you already know what the what your options really are when it comes to solving a puzzle. You've already re yeah, re I, reverse engineering these things. Yeah, that's true. I probably have now just got a lot of meta knowledge about games in general. And that probably helps a lot because I'm I'm going to know that like well that can't possibly be the solution because that's unreasonable to program or something. Yeah, apart from this one puzzle, which I thought was bullshit. <laughs> I think I just miss things a lot of the time. I think 
I can't play a puzzle game in 30 minute chunks. I just can't. Yeah, trying to play anything in 30 minute chunks, I think, is really difficult. I don't know how you do it full stop. Is this not how you play Slay the Spire? But Slay the Spire is a game that's designed to be finished a single run in like 30 minutes to one hour. So I think Slay the Spire is a bit different, right? If you're playing a game that's designed, it's like being surprised that I can play a game of solitaire in 30 minutes or something. Of course I can do that. It's, it's a short game. But like, if you tried to play a game of, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a more complicated game now. Witcher 3. Well, I was trying to think of a board <laughs> game, but yeah, fine. Witcher 3 in 30 minute chunks. There's going to be a lot of context switching and whatever, and it's going to be very inefficient. Well, it was very inefficient. And do you have baby brain? Does that affect the father too? I like to think not. But sleep deprivation? Yeah. But no excuses. Otherwise, I'll end up like you. (laughs) (laughs) No excuses for me. Thanks, Ting. (laughs) Sorry. Highlights, observations. So obviously with the pedigree of the designers of this game, there are many references and throwbacks to other games, other classic adventure games. And actually, of course, completely unrelated to games, I guess, Mulder and Scully, like Agent Ray and Reyes, are they meant to be like Mulder and Scully? At least that's what came to mind for me. Uh, now you've said it, no, still no. (laughs) Okay, fine. But they're like paranormal investigators that work for the FBI. Is that not textbook Mulder and Scully? Is one of them a skeptic and the other a believer? Yeah, isn't Ray is a believer and Ray is a cynic? Okay, okay. I can accept it. I'm not buying it, but I can accept it. Okay, whatever. And then more concretely, tons of references to Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island. So, like, Leonard mentions his cousin Bernard, and Bernard is a character from Maniac Mansion, or the radio station is always playing stuff by Razor and the Scumettes, and Razor is a character from Maniac Mansion, and the Scumettes were her band. I don't know. There's tons of these. I'm not going to go through them all. I'll put something in the show notes that lists a whole bunch of them. But then the other funny thing is there's an annoying in-jokes option in the game options. And it's disabled by default. Because they're annoying? Well, I don't know. I, I feel like this is something where people on the internet were jerks and the game devs like took it too personally and actually went to the went to a lot of effort to remove a bunch of references to, you know, these old games. And I I don't know, it just really surprises me because it's like, 
I don't think the references are harmful. I think it's just like a joke that you might not get, but it's not. It's not annoying. But if there are, you know, if you miss enough in jokes, you feel like you're missing out. You've you're left out. I I don't know. I just don't think any of the you know the in jokes were actually really in your face. Like, I mean, to give an example of something that the annoying in jokes option influences. So, I I mean, I think they're mostly visual jokes. So, you know, in the crowd, in the ransom scene where Ransom is doing his, you know, his act and insulting everyone. In the crowd are a bunch of Maniac Mansion characters. And if, like me, you didn't realise annoying in-jokes was an option, then it will be turned off by default. And those characters just won't be in the audience. And so I was kind of sad because I missed that. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's not annoying. And, you know, that's not that's not hurting anyone, having those characters in the audience. No. So I, I feel like... Well, so having done a little bit of research, I discovered that this option wasn't in the game at launch, and they added it because people complained. And, you know, I think there's people who complained are just jerks, so... Did you enable it in time? Well, I turned it on after I discovered it existed. But was it too late by then? Well, I've already seen the Ransom the Clown scene, so although you actually get to see it again later on. So I did have annoying jokes turned on when I saw it the second time around. I'm I'm trying to work out at what point you turned it on. A third of the way through? Halfway through? I don't know, like a third of the way through? Okay. Does it really matter? I want to see how much you missed out on. Well, I mean, it's not like the jokes are constant anyway. Oh, okay. Not annoying then. No, I don't think they're annoying. That's the thing. That's why I'm surprised this option exists. Something else the game tries to do. It's Easter eggs. I don't know if the, even the result of this is, is an Easter egg. So at some point, you asked to get magic mushrooms for the voodoo lady. I missed this. Did you? Yeah, I got the mushrooms. And what was the payoff? She has just like one voice line. Where she she's like, oh, wow, that was a good trip or something. And that's it. She just like says something. And then that's literally it. She says one voice line. What's your theory behind this? Cut content. Okay. But didn't cut it all. It, it was originally, yeah, it was originally a puzzle. And then they decided not to go that way. And they just left that stub of it in. There's a lot of stuff like that in this game. There's a lot of stuff like that. There there are tons of Easter eggs and red herrings too, but I don't think this is one. I think this is just like the stump of an amputated puzzle. I mean, other stuff in the Voodoo Heart, it's not really Voodoo Heart. That's like a Monkey Island <laughs> reference, I guess. It's the occult store. Madame Marina, yeah. isn't it? So there's tons of Easter eggs in there. There's like the tea and the eye drops, right? And then you can use the eye drops in a character and then they'll cry and they see things as they really are and they, they'll say some like really cutting slash insightful thing. Did you realise that? Yes, I did. But I didn't do it for all the characters. I also thought it was going to be a solution to a puzzle. Yeah. I think the number of weird Easter egg red herring items is because it was a Kickstarter backed project and so one of the kickstarter reward tiers i think was to have an item in the game and so a lot of these weird items are actually backer items but 
they're intentionally meant to be red herring items. Yeah, they didn't want to make the items critical path. But I think that is the reason for there being so many of these weird items. Okay. And I guess you, they had Ransom the Clown and attached most of these items to him. Really? That's what it feels like. I feel Ransom was like the center of these like <laughs> bizarro items. I think he just really liked Ransom the Clown. <laughs> was Ransom the Clown the character you used the most? Uh, no, actually Dolores. 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 Okay. I thought you might have just used Ransom the Clown a lot because he was foul-mouthed. Well, it's beeped out, right? Yeah. On Steam. Yes, on Steam. There's DLC there's a... to unbeep Ransom. <laughs> And I was really surprised. You know, if you watch the trailer for the Ransom Unbeep DLC, he is really foul-mouthed. Like, it's not even like... It's just like F-bombs constantly. I feel if we were smart enough, we could have downloaded the Steam DLC because it would have been free and applied it to the... It's not free. Oh, this... What? It's not free. I'm, I'm beeping... Ransom is not free. It's not free. That's mad. That's crazy. <laughs> Fucking capitalism. <laughs> Were there any other things you particularly liked about the game? I should be asking you that question. <laughs> Were there any other particular things that you liked about the game? So, when it came to the characters... Uh, I could probably labour this point and massively overthink it, but the key thing I wanted to say was I thought it was funny when they didn't do what you told them to do. But this is a device you've seen elsewhere in other games, right? Really? Yeah, I feel like I've come across this before. I mean, maybe I have, but I don't remember it now. <laughs> it's just gone. I I thought this was funny and interesting so the first time i noticed this is when you get control of dolores and dolores wants to be a game dev but her uncle chuck wants her to write software to control the pillow factory and while you're talking to your uncle chuck there is a conversation option i don't want to run the pillow factory i want to write computer games and if you select it she just says i love you uncle chuck or when agents Ray and Reyes meet up again after, you know, in the second half of the game. And they're like, okay, we should come clean with each other. What are you really doing in town? And, you know, I think Reyes says to Ray the truth, which is, I'm trying to investigate the pillow factory fire because my father was framed for the, you know, the disaster. And Ray is really there because she's trying to steal stuff and sell it to Japanese businessmen. But if you try and say that, she just says, I'm working for the NSA. I, I, I like the Dolores conversation the most. I thought it, it was funny at the time. I mean, funny. Clever. I mean, clever. Yeah, I think it caught me off guard both times. The first time with Dolores, because I wasn't expecting it. And the second time with Ray, because I thought she was going to tell the truth. And then she just totally doesn't. She's like, I'm working for the NSA. I was like, oh, I thought you were coming clean with each other. This is why she's the senior agent. 
And the fact that you have four characters. Five characters. Five just because one of them's so, dead. Uh, sorry. It's discrimination. There's a lot of redundancy. Redundancy? Like, they all kind of do the same thing. And then there's a moment when one of them does something different. Well, yeah. Right, they, I you, mean, don't, you don't need all five is what I'm saying, right? But we'll talk about that later. Yeah, I think this should be in our closing thought. Yes. The extremely long closing thought section. But you have an example, right? Yes. The radio tower, the only character who will climb the radio tower is Ransom. But I don't think it's ever stated anywhere else that the other characters are afraid of heights. So, again, it just feels like cut content or something, some setup was missing. For some reason, Ransom is the only one who will climb the radio tower. But all of the characters are happy climbing the ladder in the occult bookstore. Even though that ladder is also freakishly long. It it just feels like something that doesn't make sense. Yep. Agreed. And you mentioned a good one. In the um, Edmund mansion. Who's Doug? What is Doug? What's the purpose of Doug? I have no idea what's going on with Doug. I think it's literally just a pun because Doug is digging and all he does <laughs> is say digging and then he's just like digging. I feel I feel at this point I I'd really had my fill of the nonsense. There's just so much nonsense in this game and there was no reason for it. Yeah, Doug digging was just just too much. I I think that the character of Doug is another stump of an amputated puzzle chain, I think. Okay. And they just liked the character, so they kept him. But, yeah, seriously, what is going on with that? One last thing I wanted to point out was the the keyboard shortcuts. Or one critical shortcut is tab to highlight interest spots on the screen this was a massive quality of life improvement for me i was able to play this game a lot quicker afterwards because no one of the things you have to do is slowly go over each screen to make sure you've not missed any objects i don't think this is documented anywhere that you can push tab to to highlight interactable objects like I don't recall this ever being mentioned. Maybe there's a manual in here somewhere that explains it, but yeah, I found it by accident. I actually found it because I was trying to skip dialogue because I think I was just fed up of listening to some... I I think I just triggered some conversation and I'd heard it before and I was fed up of it and I was trying to like skip the dialogue and I just started mashing the keyboard like every key because like my instinct (laughs) was that pushing space bar would skip the conversation, but that paused it. So it was like, this is the exact opposite of what I'm trying to do. And so I just started pushing every other key on the keyboard, one after the other. And then when I pushed tab, I realized it highlighted all the objects. And then I was like, oh, that's really useful. I'm going to remember that. And I also discovered that the full stop button is the one that skips dialogue. You should already know that, by the way. Apparently so. (laughs) Fortunately, I did. So that's the button in Monkey Island? Yeah, Dave the Tentacle. Summer Max. Ah. Okay. 
we bring it all together let's bring it all together so how would you actually feel about the game very mixed very mixed so much potential so much hope so much promise because we, we haven't gotten into that many specifics we've just touched upon a few and then i think we've generally been quite positive about it so far but as we come to this, like, how do you feel about it overall? I think overall I feel kind of negative about it. <laughs> or mixed. Mixed is a better way of putting it. Yeah. Because the first part of the game... First third. Is, I think, very strong. I really liked the introduction to all of the characters. I really liked the solving the murder story where you're trying to gather the facts and feed them into those machines that will then, like, together produce an arrest warrant or something. You know, like, that solving the murder section of the game, I thought was really good. And then I kind of thought that the game would, like, pick up from there and run with it because, like, it's very obvious that there's something else going on in the town and that they don't want you investigating the murder because they don't want you digging too much in the town because of, you know, what else is going on. But after you solve the murder, the whole thing just completely falls apart. Yes. <laughs> I mean, for for instance, I mean, we can, can we start talking about the five characters that we have? Yeah, go ahead. Like being presented with five characters, having the introductions, you, you know, your interest level is at a peak. But actually, by the, the midpoint of the game, they're stepping over each other. They don't really serve distinct purposes. And, you know, five seems like it's too many. Like, why, why do you need five? Five really is a lot. And, yeah, the problem is that, you know, from a quality of life perspective, maybe it's quite good because... You don't have to micromanage all these characters and figure out, you know, I want this character here and that character there. And that's really important. You know, the characters are actually really, on the whole, interchangeable. Exactly. But it makes no sense. It's just like, why are these characters working together at all? And and I feel this is like a major weakness of the writing or of the story or of the game as a whole. Because... Maniac Mansion, Day of the Tentacle are both games where you control multiple characters, but those characters have a shared backstory and motivation, and it makes sense for them to be working together, and it makes sense for them to be, well, to have some kind of like theory of mind about the other characters and what they're doing and why they would do it. But the five characters in this game with the exception of Dolores and Franklin, no, n- and two agents. Well, no, because the two agents have never met each other either. But they've 
they've had you know they've tried to share that why they're there with each other so at least you know they know they have to work together maybe it's fine i'm just trying to help the game yeah i don't know in particular things like ransom why is ransom working with any of them exactly right like uh, you know like what i don't know i think on the whole the characters have very little reason to work together and then the puzzle that really annoyed me this you know the one where i literally wrote in my notes spurious moon logic like what the hell is this there's the bank manager who is getting crank calls and you need to distract the bank manager so you can steal the keys to the factory and thus you can have another character call him up and pretend to be you know that nuisance caller but every time the bank manager will be like you're not that caller and hang up on you and it turns out the only character that you can have call the bank manager that the bank manager will think is the crank caller is franklin so you think this was completely logical i guess no i don't i think it made no sense yeah it makes no sense i mean i was thinking like am i overthinking it because like to be honest i did kind of think oh maybe it could be franklin because he just like moans and wails and they're saying you know like the crank call is just deep breathing but franklin's dead he's a ghost and there's like an entire plot line about how he can't talk to the living and is trying to get this crystal so that he can talk to dolores one more time so like my assumption is that no one's going to be able to hear franklin but Franklin is the one who has to call up the bank manager. And then also, why on earth would Franklin call the bank manager? None of the other characters are able to communicate with Franklin. And Franklin can't leave the hotel. So there's no way he would even know about the bank manager. Like, I know I'm kind of overthinking it because it's a game. And I, as the player, know about the bank manager and know about Franklin or whatever. But it makes no sense. Is this what you needed the hint for? Yeah, I, this is what I needed the hint for. Like The hint line told me, oh, you need to get the key to the pillow factory, and it's in the bank. And I was like, well, duh. It's like, you need to distract the bank manager so you can take the key. Well, duh. The bank manager is having trouble with a nuisance caller, so you need to have someone call up the bank manager and be the nuisance caller. It's like, well, duh. And then it's like, call the bank manager with Franklin. I was like, what the hell? He's a ghost. He's dead. No one can hear him. There's an entire puzzle about why no one can hear Franklin what <laughs> yeah that bothered me okay i thought it was ransom then i tried franklin and that was it enough i i tried everyone <laughs> not franklin <laughs> i also found the entire plot for the remaining two-thirds of the game very unsatisfying like you know the mystery of what's going on in the town is no mystery at all let's not talk about the ending or the plot just yet let's work our way towards there yeah sure i mean i look you know at some point in the game you asked to look back to the original kickstarter video and that video shows a lot of gives an idea of the content they've cut like there's a lotto ticket there's a bus pass. There's a queue at the bank. The bank is deserted now. And there's just so many red herrings. 
I found it really frustrating. I don't know how you felt about all the red herring objects. Yeah, I mean, as I mentioned earlier, I think at least some of the red herrings are due to Kickstarter and were backer items. But there are a lot of dead ends with puzzles. Like, often a red herring item is just an item that doesn't do anything. But there are actually relatively complex puzzle chains that go nowhere. So the one that I'm really thinking of is the Betamax tape. So outside the convenience store is a video rental machine that is broken. And at some point in the game, you get given a pizza flyer that has a coupon for a free video rental on it. And you can repair the video rental machine by using the tube puller to steal another tube from a different machine and then swapping it in to fix it and then feed it the pizza coupon and get the Betamax tape. And that's it. The tape doesn't do anything. Because there are no players in the town that play Betamax. Although if you examine the tape, it actually says, Blazing Saddles, I like the film, but didn't like the ending. And I've never seen Blazing Saddles, but spoilers for Blazing Saddles that I now know, this statement is actually a reference to the ending itself of Thimbleweed Park. It's like it's like a self-referential thing. So, I, I mean, uh, and you know what? It makes me wonder if even the devs are saying like, yeah, they liked their game, but they didn't like the ending of Thimbleweed Park itself. But let's do the ending at the end. Okay. So quickly to talk, go back to, you know, how you liked the idea of the hotel area where it was a closed section and it sort of reduced the puzzle space. But actually, the problem is it never opens back up for the rest of the game. All the puzzles are very linear and there's not much going on. So I felt like the journal stroke notebook was no longer needed because only... You only had one thing to do at a time almost. And all the new areas didn't present much in the way of objects. So for instance, you go to the secret, is it caravan or secret something or other? Ultimately, it's a caravan goes into a bunker. But there's nothing there. You get a goodie bag and that's it. And it's the same for they've got this intricate sewer space with loads of valves. And the sewer space lines up with the the town above and I thought I would have to it'll be a puzzle with a wrench and the valves but that, that, that there was nothing there either yeah it literally does nothing it's just an opportunity for you to pick up some more specks of dust so although the, the, they presented more more locations you're kind of railroaded and you know even when you get to the factory there's not much to do I, I think the game really peaks when you get the map and suddenly like you're allowed to like go into these other areas because you know you try and walk out of town 
And then the sheriff pops up and goes, oh, I'm sorry, you're not allowed to leave town unless you have a map. And then they're trying to keep all the maps in town away from you. And then you solve that puzzle and get the map and suddenly it all opens up. Like, I think that's when the game like feels really good. You're like, oh, I've got all this stuff. It's really opened up to me. And yeah, you are right. There are other parts of the game where it really clamps it down. And the ending of the game in particular, I thought was pretty weak relatively with a lot of well it must be cut content i i can only assume they had really ambitious plans for all these puzzles and i think they just cut a lot of puzzle lines out of the game although having said that it's not a short game no it's not right it's not like oh they cut all this stuff out and the game's really short and it just feels like you know a waste of money i mean number one we got it free <laughs> number two it's actually a really pretty long game so is it just one of those like less is more moments if if they hadn't left all these stumps of these puzzles in would you have been more satisfied yes it just goes to show you should never do anything nice because people will blame you for it right <laughs> they left this content in for you to enjoy and you're just like you're just like telling them off for it you're like oh yeah but you didn't finish it i'd rather you didn't give me this unfinished or cut thing nah i'm too stupid to enjoy the content that's a problem it, it does feel a bit funny oh there's <laughs> do you want to start going through your list so have you said everything you want to say and I'm now going to go on my massive rant about the plot and the ending and how I feel well, about that I can just I can just add add bits of color or just agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> you you can interject every now and then or try and and try, or I'll be like Mike Mike we've been recording for 3 hours I need a toilet break. <laughs> I don't think you'll notice I'm just going to go for my toilet break. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And we're like and another thing. <laughs> fine so the plot of the game it's originally a murder mystery you air quotes or maybe no air quotes solve the murder mystery totally air quotes and then there's the bigger mystery of what's going on in the town which you're meant to think is about a rogue ai that's going to bulldoze the town or the pillow factory is secretly being run by some you know ai that runs on vacuum tubes something something or your uncle chuck has uploaded his mind into the computer but then the real meta meta plot is that it's just a game <laughs> like the characters know they're in a game and they're trying to escape from the game or hide from the game but they don't obviously because you can just reload your save game or just reset it or whatever like it just felt really unsatisfying i really did not like the and it's just a game overall ending yes you know i mean i think characters having meta knowledge of saving and loading i mean look at undertale Undertale is a game where, without getting into too many spoilers, a number of characters play with the idea of saving and loading your game. And that game has spawned a fanatical following. And 
people still talk about the plot of Undertale and are discussing like what it really means. Or maybe I just spend too much time reading Undertale fan fiction. But like this game feels entirely forgettable. Right? This game's plot is just like so blunt. There's no like clever There's no subtlety. Yeah. It's just it's just like bleh, it's just it. And I don't know, like, and the ending just feels so glued on. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't mesh with the, like, first half of the game at all. It's just like, oh, it's just a game now. Here's the ending. What happens? You just go into, like, the computer and you go into, like, another, like, layer of the world. And it's just, they call it the wireframe world. And it's basically just, like, their concept art from the Kickstarter video, basically. But it's just, like, empty areas. It's, like, empty rooms. And then you switch it off and that's the end. I mean, when I originally wrote these notes, I think I just wrote, it's lazy. It's just so lazy. They couldn't be bothered to finish it properly. I actually like, I actually don't think it's the case, really. I think they probably genuinely thought that it was going to be good. But it just didn't work out. Or... Maybe they really just couldn't think of a good way to tie all the threads together. And this was their plan B. Yeah. But it didn't work out. Maybe it was their plan A. They just couldn't get it to come together. Uh, It just really bothers me. Because, like, the first part of the game is all about being invested in the characters. You know, you learn about why Ransom is permanently stuck in his makeup. You learn about Dolores and her dream to become a game dev and she leaves town and then comes back. You learn about Reyes and trying to, you know, exonerate his father. And then Ray is actually just trying to make a quick buck. So I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel about that. But, you know, at least it's an opportunity to hear terrible fake Japanese accents. Franklin. Oh, yeah, Franklin. I mean, he's dead. I forgot about him this time. So <laughs> sorry. It turns out I'm, I'm just as bad as you. But then none of it matters. And it just really bothered me. There's like so much stuff that's not really ever properly closed out or explained like you know who really killed boris was it really willie was it the sheriff or does it not even matter because boris's death is literally a MacGuffin. the game killed boris it doesn't matter right everyone killed boris no one killed boris whatever or who knocked out ray or reyes i think if you take an agent into the back alley behind the diner, they get knocked out. Mm. So who knocked out that agent? Is it the same assailant who murdered Boris? Is it someone else? Again, could it be the sheriff? I don't know. Or there's another bit where if you don't use one of the agents for a while, they just black out. You just lose control of them and then you get a little video where you just see them lying on a slab in the mortuary. Mm. Yeah. That is never explained. Literally never explained. (laughs) And I actually Googled what the hell's going on with this scene. And there's actually a podcast. Like, I didn't realize this, but the devs actually released a podcast on a regular basis while they were making the game. And the last episode of the podcast is after the game is, you know, gone out and they're just talking about what it was like to have made the game and the and people's reaction to the game. 
and they mention this scene and how people are really bothered by this scene. And they just say, oh, yeah, it's up to you. It's open to interpretation. You know, I think this is a really good thing. It's open to interpretation. My favorite interpretation is that the agent just got bored and took a nap. And I'm like, this is not good. Like, I don't like this at all. <laughs> right. And if you can't be bothered to listen to the podcast, or I actually listened to the whole, th- I listened to like an hour of this thing. Like, it bothered me that much. But if you can't be bothered to listen to the podcast, like Kotaku has actually summarized it. And they are also like, this is thoroughly unsatisfying. This is very, very unsatisfying. Anyway, that, <laughs> I guess that's actually all I have to say. <laughs> that's all I have to say. I think thoroughly unsatisfying. I really enjoyed the first third of the game. And I thought, wow, this is like a modern classic. And then by the last like third of the game, I was like, what is this? What's the point? So in the end, feel kind of mixed about it. What is Terrible Toy Box doing next? I don't know. I mean, some people really loved it. Some people actually really loved this and were saying, when's Thimbleweed Park 2? Are they doing anything next? Do you know? I have no idea. No, I don't know. Well, having spoken about a load of meta stuff, I guess we didn't really talk at all about the meta importance of point-and-click adventure games and the history of them and our previous experience with them. But I guess we don't really need to talk about it now. It can be a topic for another day. But we were looking forward to this, and in the end... Yeah. It was kind of good and it was kind of bad. It could have been really good. And I guess that's all there is to say. (laughs) So, what's the next book club game? So, for the next book club game, we're going to do something completely different. So, I mean, we started out this year saying we were going to try and play games with some kind of theme between them. And we were going to try and do some game dev too. And then we decided to play Thimbleweed Park. And now just all pretense of like thematic (laughs) connection has just fallen out the window. Sorry. So the theme of this one is that we're Chinese, I guess. We're going to play Chinese Parents. I mean, you're playing this game every day. (laughs) (laughs) It's a long game. This one is much shorter. So, more than a year ago, I read some, like, gaming news story about a game called Chinese Parents, which was a game where you are, you know, playing as Chinese parents and trying to raise your child. And... It basically conforms to all the stereotypes of Chinese parents. Like, you know, you have like battles of like saving face where you meet up with another family and your two children have to show off their skills to see who's, you know, who's raised their child better or you need them to get a good job and like be a doctor so you can boast about it at family gatherings or something. It's made by a Chinese company and the game was only in Chinese. So it sounded really interesting and amusing, particularly given that we are ethnically Chinese and 
maybe you know we'll recognize some of our own upbringing in it but we couldn't play it because neither of us can read chinese but now it's been translated into english and it was on sale in the steam sale <laughs> i bought a copy for myself and i gifted a copy to you and now we're going to play it as the book club game it seems like the right thing to do i think it's pretty short that means we can go through a few cycles yeah maybe it's just like slay the spire and it's just like what hand have you been dealt this time you have a child who's a gifted violinist but also you can play the offspring of the child you raised can you i actually even, as usual i know very little about this game I'm just, <laughs> i i checked that it ran and it really was in english and that's it i didn't want to start playing it until it was officially the book club game to make sure i could capture all of my you know reactions kind of find out it got a metacritic score of 45 when i'm going to call you tomorrow saying no <laughs> no so the book club game is chinese parents and we will talk about it next month so it's not a business sim nor is it a randomizer game roguelike it's kind of a roguelike we'll see i it's a casual sim it's a casual sim that's right well you're very curious about that as a genre as well right yeah yeah <laughs> we're going straight in there we're going to start building casual sims yeah that, you're right that's that's our excuse right We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please, please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else. Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. That's it. And that's it. What are you grateful for, Sir Michael? So, this is kind of surreal, and it hasn't happened yet, so maybe something will come up and it won't happen, but I am meeting Jonathan Blow for dinner on Friday. Like, it feels really weird to say that, but I am meant to be meeting Jonathan Blow for dinner on Friday. If you get sufficiently drunk... Please get an audio clip of him, please. Not not like not indirectly, but ask him to speak directly into the phone to just say hi to the podcast. Like, Jonathan, Jonathan, say <laughs> hi to Ting. Say hi to Ting. <laughs> no, doesn't work like that. To to Lost Levels Club, please. Okay, I'll see what I can do. I'm probably gonna be too starstruck. Should be surprising as well. Well, they do also say, like, never meet your idols. I do suspect that, in reality, I have absolutely nothing in common with Jonathan Blow. Or or it'll be the opposite thing. It'll be like, we'll be too similar and thus hate each other immediately. <laughs> you know, you know, it's possible just taking, like, an instant dislike to someone. Maybe that's going to happen. But maybe it'll be great. Maybe he'll offer me a job. As... <laughs> yeah, it'd be like whipping boy or something <laughs> so michael says bye bye bye